Howdy friends, this is Matt Sewell, and you're listening to episode 69 of the Popecast, the only podcast about popes where you'll find non-boring stories on the successors of St. Peter and a reminder that all of the world's problems have happened plenty of times before. This week, I want to give one more special shout out to the team at Wild Rose Graphics in Spokane, Washington. That's the home of the Popecast, of course. They gave us an outstanding deal on uh, the exclusive Popecast Be Not Afraid t-shirts for one of our Patreon tiers, which I just picked up the other day and I'm preparing to mail out to a few of you. They are super duper soft and stylish, I might add. So you can check Wild Rose out at wildrosegraphics.com. And if you'd like one of those shirts of your very own, just head over to patreon.com slash the podcast uh, to join up now, and we'd love to send one out to you. So our Pope this week hit a lot of firsts. First Latin writing Pope, first African Pope, and the first papal hothead. Good thing he had the humility to match it. This week on the podcast, it's the Pope who told us when to celebrate Easter. Pope St. Victor I. Pope Victor I was born in the 2nd century AD and hailed from North Africa, being specifically of Berber descent, an ethnic group native to North and West Africa who still inhabit much of Algeria, Libya, Morocco, and Tunisia. Nothing is known of his early life other than his dad's name being Felix, and that he is widely thought to be the first Pope of Latin extraction rather than Greek, thus beginning, as H.W. Crocker writes in his book Triumph, Quote, the ascendancy of the language that would define the universal right of the Catholic Church with few exceptions for nearly 1,800 years. End quote. The year of Victor's elevation to the papacy, in which he succeeded Pope St. Eleutherius and became the 14th Bishop of Rome, varies a bit. One resource, the Liber Pontificalis, an early history book on the papacy, puts the start of his reign around 186 AD, but the early church historian Eusebius writing a century and a half later, puts his election a few years later in 189. There are a few others, but at any rate, they tend to take after the way Scripture times things, identifying Victor's papacy with the reigns of secular rulers of the day. And what seems to be most accepted is that Victor I began his rule as Pope in the tenth year of the Roman Emperor Commodus, son of Marcus Aurelius, who began his own rule in 180 AD, putting Victor's accession around 189 or 190. In general, Victor's years as Pope were peaceful, which wasn't a bad deal, considering Christianity wouldn't be officially legal for another 120-ish years. Commodus and the emperor who followed him, Septimius Severus, were both favorable to Christians, it's said thanks to a woman named Marcia, who wielded particular influence in the imperial court in those days. St. Hippolytus, who listeners may remember from episode 28 of the Popecast, as having been martyred in the 200s alongside Pope St. Pontian was a young man in Rome at the time, and thus likely witnessed and even knew Marcia himself. Hippolytus recounts that Marcia was raised by a priest named Hyacinthus, and was perhaps a Christian herself, referring to her as Philotheos, or God-loving in Greek, which explains her taking actions in adulthood like summoning Victor I to the imperial palace one day, asking for a list of all of the Roman Christians who had been effectively given the death sentence that was forced labor in the salt mines of Sardinia in order for her to negotiate their immediate freedom. As the Catholic Encyclopedia recounts, quote, The Pope handed her the list, and Marcia, having received from the emperor the required pardon, sent the presbyter Hyacinthus to Sardinia with an order of release for the Christian confessors. 
Callistus, afterwards Pope, who had been among those deported, did not return to Rome, but remained at Antium, where he received a monthly pension from the Roman Christians, end quote. One other, you know, minor thing that Victor made sure to quash was a heresy that sprung up with the arrival in Rome of a man named Theodotus, Theodotus of Byzantium, to be specific. Theodotus arrived in Rome and began preaching that Jesus Christ was simply adopted by God upon his baptism, basically saying that despite him being born of a virgin, he was made into the Son of God and given his supernatural abilities and wasn't actually God until after his resurrection. Well, Victor sniffed that ish out right away, making sure to excommunicate Theodotus and declaring the teaching heretical. Adoptionism, as it was eventually called, would be formally condemned a century or so later at the Council of Nicaea, and is likely a key reason why Christians have recited the words, begotten, not made, in the Nicene Creed ever since. Pope St. Victor I's most notable actions, however, had to do with what's now referred to as the Quartodeciman controversy, essentially when Easter should be celebrated each year. Here's the backstory. Most of the church, including Rome itself in those days, celebrated Easter on Sunday, the day of the week on which Christ rose from the dead. Others, however, in the East in particular, reportedly just repeating the tradition taught to them by St. John the Evangelist himself, celebrated Easter on the 14th day of Nisan, a month in the Jewish calendar which could fall technically on any day of the week. It's from the number 14, by the way, that we get the name Quarto Decimin. For any of you etymology nerds like me out there, Quarto is 4 and Deci is 10, hence Quarto Decimin. Easter, of course, in its first instance, did occur on the Sunday following the Feast of Passover. But it was also the 14th day of Nisan on the Jewish calendar, so that meant, for some, that it should be tied instead to the same date each year. Not necessarily on Sunday, because it corresponded to a full moon, and upholding the tradition found as far back as the book of Leviticus, chapter 11, was more important. The problem was that the moons don't always cooperate, so the dates would have to fudge a little from year to year. And so it's ultimately now settled that Easter is celebrated on the first Sunday after what's called the Paschal Full Moon, or the first full moon after March 21st, the start of spring. At any rate, this was the same issue that the great St. Polycarp, a disciple of St. John the Evangelist, traveled to Rome to discuss with Pope St. Anicetus a few decades earlier. Uh, Anicetus, you'll remember from episode 46 of the Popecast. The two powerhouses, Polycarp and Anicetus, had to leave that issue unsettled at that time, agreeing to disagree and leaving it for another pope to deal with. Well, Victor I tried to be that pope. We'll never know exactly why, but Victor proved to be a little more rash than was necessary in dealing with this issue in the end. But he did show great humility, ultimately, in accepting correction from his brother bishops, despite clearly understanding the primacy he held as a successor of Peter in terms of his authority. All throughout Victor's papacy, various meetings of bishops uh, called synods were held, three in the east and two in the west, on this topic, one of which was in Rome and presided over by Victor himself in 193. A letter at the end of that synod was sent by Victor to Polycrates, Bishop of Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey, reflecting the bishop's unanimous decision from all of those synods that Easter ought to be celebrated on a Sunday each year in place of the quartodeciman practice. So basically, those in the East should abandon their custom. In response, Polycrates convened a meeting of bishops himself from around his province within a year and sent a letter back to Victor rejecting his recommendation. Although his reasoning, admittedly, is understandable, instead of coming off as a petty or power-hungry bishop in opposition to the Pope, as we've seen all too often throughout church history, 
Polycrates noted that he was merely following the tradition passed down to him. Eusebius quotes Polycrates' letter as saying, quote, We observe the exact day, neither adding nor taking away, for in Asia also great lights have fallen asleep, which shall rise again on the day of the Lord's coming. All these observed the fourteenth day of the Passover according to the gospel, deviating in no respect, but following the rule of faith. And I also, Polycrates, the least of you all, do according to the tradition of my relatives, some of whom I have closely followed, for seven of my relatives were bishops, and I am the eighth. And my relatives always observe the day when the people put away the leaven. End quote. Now, after reading this, it would seem that Victor merely saw a bishop refusing his authority, which, being well within his purview, was nevertheless not the most prudent choice, right? And so Victor's first choice was to attempt to excommunicate Polycrates and his ilk, cutting them off from unity with the Roman Church for what he considered obstinacy in rejecting his authority. But thankfully, several of Victor's brother bishops were willing to stick their necks out and exhort him to consider a more peaceable option. St. Irenaeus of Lyon in particular, who listeners of the podcast may remember as being the guy who gave us the historical list of the first 11 popes after Peter, reminded Victor that his predecessors, Anicetus especially, quote, had indeed always maintained the Sunday observance of Easter, as was right, but had not broken off friendly relations and communion with bishops because they followed another custom, end quote, that being taken from the Catholic Encyclopedia. And so Victor ultimately agreed to cool his jets, and not much longer after his death, the quarter-deciman practice fell out of custom pretty much entirely. So between convening the meetings of bishops to decide the issue once and for all, and for at least making the feelings of the Pope well known in the East, even if it didn't bear fruit right away, we can say that Pope St. Victor I is the guy to thank when we wonder, why is Easter celebrated on a different weekend every year? And yet again, it's a Pope from long ago, whose work affects our lives even to this day, because everyone, religious or not, celebrates Easter on Sunday. Even the Orthodox, who still date Easter according to the Julian calendar instead of the Gregorian calendar, it's all thanks to a humble Pope who died 1,822 years ago. Well, that's a wrap on this episode about the Pope who told us when to celebrate Easter. Before we go, we do have a couple of reviews to read out, as, as promised, of course, on every episode. Uh, for those who leave us reviews on iTunes, we do love to read those out on the air. So this one actually is from Australia, uh, from Cherie. She says, uh, five-star review, I'm hooked. Thoroughly enjoy listening to these short but full of information facts on the various popes. Matt's dry and quirky humor is timed perfectly. Thank you, Cherie. Can I give you the number uh, for my wife? I've been trying to tell her that uh, I have a dry and quirky sense of humor, but she doesn't seem convinced. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and one other one from Carl, who is actually from South Africa. Carl, thanks for listening. Um, five stars, absolutely awesome, modern and informative podcast. Notice he said modern and mo- not modernist. Is that That's too much of an inside joke, I think, maybe. Oh, well. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, for new and old listeners alike, again, please leave a rating and a review. Uh, if you're really enjoying the show, please consider sharing it with other folks, whether it's uh, just texting it to a friend or sharing it on social media. But regardless, we are so uh, grateful to have you listening to the show and to know that you're uh, you're enjoying it. So one last shout out to the folks at Wild Rose Graphics uh, in Spokane, wildrosegraphics.com if you want to check them out. Uh, and then also, if you'd like one of those coveted Be Not Afraid t-shirts, uh, be sure to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the podcast. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, in between new episodes for uh, inspirational Pope quotes and old pictures. Let's be honest, it's mostly John Paul and Benedict, but still, we try to pick good ones as we head out today. 
Let's ask for the intercession of Pope St. Victor I, for the grace to accept correction from those close to us when we might be acting like a bit of a hothead, that we might become more humble stewards of all that we've been given. Until next time. Thank you.